BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Welcome to the Diversity Remix, busting the echo chambers of culture, politics, and business. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. This week on the Diversity Remix, Jesus returns to the studio to do a lightning round on all the important stuff we missed over the last couple of weeks, like Twitter and Elon, the CNN Plus demise, and Netflix's hemorrhaging of market share. And then on Courage or Cringe, we discuss the Biden administration's newly created disinformation board, the lawsuit against BLM brought by Indiana's attorney general, and finally, former President Trump's return to social media on his own social platform. It's a fast and funny one this week, only on TDR. So welcome back in the studio, Jesus. Glad to be back. Road warrior? Yeah. On the road? On the road, on the road. First of all, you've been traveling a lot. I have been too. We've both been on I, the road. I didn't realize day. how much you were traveling. Dallas last week, Austin next week, DC. You were, both you were of back us in my old hood. I was. That's where in right. Dallas which, were you? I was in Frisco. Oh, that's. I had a house there. Well, it was, it was Frisco really? adjacent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we stayed at the High Regency in Frisco. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was nice. But yeah. I mean, like Some everything. Plano is where my house was, which is right next to Frisco. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. I just follow the little blinking arrow, you know. Yeah, I you go. were t- you were taking the Dallas North Tollway. I'm guessing. I'm, I have no idea. It's Come all on, surface man. streets, me, uh, and if I don't turn the little microphone on, then I, I end up getting were lost. Were you close to where the Cowboys have their new training facility? No, I have no idea. You're not I'm being very you. helpful right now I, in terms of uh, having reminisce about it. It really is something. It, it's actually something that is really bad. I think about navigation anymore is that since you're so GPS focused, you it's yeah. just another reason not to look around, not to look at landmarks. So I, I just sure. don't. I just yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. don't. So we've been we've been gone for a few weeks, but I feel like we've missed everything. There's been such like meaty stuff: the oh, Twitter sure. thing, Twitter. Netflix cratering, CNN Plus biting the dust. None of those are our courage and cringe this week. But yeah. just at a, at a high level, give me ten seconds on each one of those. Um, start maybe so start with start, Twitter. start at Twitter. So yeah. Twitter. Um, it's funny because I was listening to our our episode uh-huh. as the news was breaking the next day. I think sort of was. And it was, I was like, oh, now, now that I get this content, I let me go back called it a and little re- bit. Li- yeah, listen to the, how we were talking about it. I'm like, oh, okay, great. I mean, in some ways we were saying that, like, like either go ahead and acquire it, mm-hmm. like make a move to acquire it, or join the board. But being in this in-between, having a lot of shares and just basically trolling the company, like, that doesn't help anyone. So he borrowed, like, 20 and paid 25 Yeah, he has a call. Like he's right? a very interesting way. He's, he's already... Um, 
divested a bunch of his own stock in Tesla to do the the person. He has these personal financing part of it. He is uh, financing the debt, the other part, and there's like a, a third piece, right? There's like three or four ways, of, and this is already considered like non-traditional. I'll have the details in front of me in terms of how he's doing it, but he is getting it done really quickly, right? It is really – I've seen there's so much overreaction on both camps. Sure. There's like all of the, um, you know, uh, um, all of the folks that are very happy, primarily from the conservative side of the equation – Oh, like finally we have someone that can take this and, uh, and like stop an with all the censorship, right? It's free right. speech, right? You have the ones that are in the far left who are like, "Oh my God, you're gonna bring back all this, world. all of this fake news, etc." The memes have been delicious, though. You got to admit, yeah. So, so there's there's some, yeah, so there's a bunch of that. The part where you know going back and thinking about the whole situation that I don't that I I can't reconcile is that you know if we believe to any degree around free markets. Mm-hmm. This was a free – and first of all, I don't believe there's such a thing as 100% free market. Like, like an absolute free market. Yeah, dynamic. there is no free market. Let's let's start with that. We don't live in a free market world because um, there's all kinds of ways that markets get influenced one way or the other with incentives, with uh, from governments, et cetera, to, to make them work. Uh, but if we think that the stock market is as close to as it can get to a free market, then are we saying that a stock market as a free market failed and actually providing the best option for what this platform should be? Mm. It's a public company. Yeah. A board that is also, you know, everything's public. People have the ability to vote by shares that they buy or sell. Their 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 price is reflected on what the value they're creating. It should be reflected on whether or not it's upholding to what the power is supposed to be. And the fact that it's such a push to make it private, especially from and maybe in here I'm picking a little bit. So I'll be perfect. I'll be the first to say it. I'm picking on the free speech people tend to be the free market people, and the yeah. free market people don't seem to like free market dynamics. Yeah, but, but I haven't thought about it that way. Like, it's, it's, I was thinking about this after. But I'm like, huh, it's a, it's a, because it's not the case in a lot of, for not, a lot of times, in other, a lot of other companies, right? But in yeah. this case, it actually, it is that. But why don't do you companies, think that is, but don't huh? companies get taken private and leverage buyouts like a lot all the time? And, yeah, and and, all the time. and and there's not necessarily a political motivation. It's just a mechanism to achieve some goals that you couldn't otherwise do with a public company because it just moves slower and it has more constituents. I mean, isn't for, that for sure? Issue? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it happens all the time. I'm not saying about the dynamic of it being taken private. Is that the reason why some people are so supportive of the dynamic of it being taken? Oh, private? Oh, I see what you're saying. Because yeah. they feel that the company has not failed to live to the will of the people, which should be around free speech. I think that's, I'm that's, not that's, sure. that's the way I would, I, I would yeah, frame it. I, I guess I'm just not sure how many free market people, like really gung-ho free market people, would view it as a failure of the free market that the company's being taken private, which is an assumption that you're kind of starting I'm with. I'm definitely start, starting with I'm, I'm not going to start with it, but I'm kind of, I was thinking about this because this is the question that kind of rose in my mind, which is, huh, that's actually really interesting here. Yeah. Because this is not a case, or this is a case where you have where people get to vote on whether or not this company has the right strategy, has the right governance, has the right CEO. And it's harder to think of another scenario where it's more democratic than being publicly owned, right? Like it, it's just tough to make to make that call. And in that kind of environment, it did not become what people complain about it not becoming. It depends how you – See what I'm saying? Like, yeah, of like, course, but it depends on how you look at it. Am I way off on all that, all that not, thinking? I don't think so. I just think that it's, you know um, – the idea that it's the most democratic model in and of itself, it, it could be, should be perhaps, but it really isn't, right? I mean, the big, the biggest shareholders have the loudest voice. I agree with you. That's why I think the free market argument doesn't actually work. 
But yeah, some people are very strong believers of that. It's like going to a concert, right? You're like, oh, get your tickets. But like the in in a nanosecond, ninety percent of the tickets are bought by like other companies and scalpers <laughs> and stuff. It's the free market. You can just yeah, get it. It's yeah, like, sure. yeah, but, yeah, but, who's, but... <laughs> but who's got the power? You know what I mean? So to me, that's that. So that dynamic is super interesting, right? Yeah. Because what does his what does his speak to? The ability of the stock market to be reflective of the will of the people. That's sort of one like really big question that I and have. I think the answer is pretty poor in that regard. Yeah, probably pretty poor, right? Um, and the second thing is like I am very curious to see what Elon's going to do with this company. I'm not – I'm in neither camp. I'm not super excited. I'm not super pessimistic. pessimistic. I'm in neither one of those. I think there's an option here. I'm glad he did it because at least it kind of goes hopefully out of the realm of this is simply something I'm just going to bully and just – and just uh, yeah, talk makes, shit make, about make the entire time. Just yeah. make people's lives hell. Which is the one I, I, that's really the issue I really have mostly with it. And who knows? Maybe he will come up with a much more creative way. Um, but the the single person I know best than everybody else, I just don't love that model. Yeah. And it reminds me of a conversation that we haven't had yet that we do used to talk about as well as happened in El Salvador. Mm. I remember I sent it to you. But yeah. that was one of the – I had a, a very long conversation with my cousin. Julian, Is that the Bitcoin you know, thing? The same guy, yeah. right? That he went and he arrested like fifteen thousand people, all of which are like under the La Mara, I think what it's called, right? Which is a gangster in in, uh, in, uh, in El Salvador, and it's like he's like cleaning house. But the ways of which he's going about cleaning house is something that's a little questionable. Yeah. Which, as long as he's entirely right about his judgment, you no, know, you're yeah. like then you start thinking about, hmm, wait, when you don't have no balance of power here, is that really what we want? Yeah, devil's in the details. Even if my I friend. agree with with yeah, the, the, the major. Because I don't I, like I don't subscribe so, to, so the, to the Elon, end justifies the means. I put Twitter in that same kind of realm. It's True. like everyone is like ex- the people that are for it are very excited because of what Elon's going to do. I still agree that he is right about his judgment of this stuff. Now you took a company that did, at least had oversight that had public voting through the stock market, and that's all gone. Now it's all private. And I guess if you agree with it, great, and what they come out with. But the likelihood of him just saying I want to do something completely different with it. And then what? What's the recourse of that? All right, Maybe so re- none. Or re- doesn't matter. Really quick, then lightning round. Uh, mm-hmm. Twitter, courage or cringe on Elon buying Twitter? Courage. Because okay, he, me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, courage. Uh, he Just needed be- to buy it. At this point, close he already takes too much of a position. Yeah, close the loop. But this way, you're all in. Let's go all in. Okay. Yeah. Netflix uh, cratering a couple weeks ago. I, I think that's super interesting to me. Yeah. Um, with the dynamics that are there. I kind of – I think about them. I haven't studied it enough, but I wonder if they're in their own peloton moment. Mm-hmm. Right, where they, they where they the market overly estimated, even them overly estimated, the amount of investment they can make while being at a loss the entire time. It kind of goes back to something that I was mentioning to you, to you and uh, and Stephen, right? I was like, dude, I, when I look at the 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 SVOD market, I think it's is is complicated right it's now. It's a very complicated. It's a very complicated. I was, I was talking about Netflix. Like, I think they're struggling. They continue to struggle. And that's they the continue thing to lose is, money, it, it, and yet they're. It like, always makes me laugh, though, the idea of struggling. It's always in comparison to what? Comparison oh, yeah. to something, right? It's like you're yeah. struggling with. You know, eighty-five percent market share and yeah. growing at X rate, but it's not the rate you forecasted. They actually lost subscribers for the first time. I think right? net, yeah, yeah. net subscriber loss, which was a big deal. But then again, they are a ubiquitous thing, right? So, so the whole idea of like cratering and they're failing and it's not it, crate. I wouldn't call it crater. Yeah, thing. it's just that the, the rocket ship, rocket ship of growth has stopped. Has stopped. So, and if that's the case, the rocket ship of investment needs to stop. I, I heard there, there's a number of factors here because it's not one thing. You know, you definitely have a supply issue, which is just there's a ton of content and a ton of options and a ton of very good options. Mm-hmm. You also have the you know traditional media players now creating their own kind of super aggregators and bringing over the shows that Netflix once counted on as kind of loss leaders into their content. Right. right? I mean, I, I I talked about this on this show two years ago 
about the importance of the office when Office moved to Peacock. Right, right, Do you remember right, that whole right. conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because like The Office was the show that people went in there. It was like some kind of weird, uh, you know, therapy that people just leave that on, and it's like, are you still watching? And like you just watch it and watch it right. and watch it over and over again. And when that left, that impacted a lot of what it is. And that's not just that show. Now it's mm-hmm. Parks and Rec and all these other traditional shows that used to be there. That now are back with their, you know, kind of mothership. Um, uh, places. So I think supply is one side of it. Demand's another part of it. I mean, you can make a case around COVID, people going back to work, having less time to stream, maybe. There's some... That's kind of my Peloton. Uh, if I'm making yeah, an analogy so, Peloton, that's, that's kind of where I'm going with, with that. I, I think I there is. Comment. I also think that there's a content quality thing. Now, I think the right of the equation is making a lot of noise around this. I don't think it's entirely all that, but I do think there's something to be said around the meat and potatoes of that subscriber but I do base. have a content rant. Finish your thought, but I have a content rant that you typically would do okay. <laughs> about a movie. Okay, great. I want to hear it. <laughs> but but if you think about like a lot of these shows, right, you've got the shows, the, the the famous ones that got a lot of heat, the little, what was it called? The ones with the like the little girls getting super sexualized, the like nine-year-old girls. It was a French movie that got a bunch of heat a couple uh, of years remember, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the, the Japanese uh, show about a guy getting pregnant. You've got like all these different things. And I think a lot of middle-of-the-road people who are really subscribing the meat and potatoes of that the bell curve, let's call it, look at that stuff. And even if they don't say, oh, this is woke or this is whatever, even if they don't say that, right. they're just going like, eh, nothing to see here. And like they watch it less or maybe renew their subscription less. I think there's some element of this kind of content piece where they haven't it's, catered enough to right. the households that they actually serve. There's got to be some part of it that's that. And it's so funny because I was – that's actually a really good point that you're bringing up about the, the woke piece because I hadn't thought about that. Obviously, my orientation doesn't, doesn't – <laughs> sometimes precludes me from, from that being the starting point. And by the way, just really quick, for me, it's not a question of yes or no. It's a question of, of uh, density, the density right, 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 right. of that yeah. programming in, in the in – Because I was, I was thinking the opposite thing. Like, huh, I wonder how much of this bet on Dave Chappelle has backfired now. Oh, interesting because that could also be part of it. Right. Again, like, it could cut like, both ways. It's like we know better. It could cut both ways. You know, you have – People are very upset about that. We know better. The people that are streaming are younger yeah. in general. Yeah. Right? That's what drives a lot of the consumption. Like, did that have an effect on it? I don't know. I think it's, it'll be interesting to um, to figure out. By the way, can I do a 30-second yeah, rant on Go something? Yeah. So What'd you watch? I was flying on the back from New York, oh, and it was a super right late-night flight. Got in like almost 1 o'clock in the morning, you and I just could watch, not sleep, you right? Wa- you watched Eternals. No, I did watch Eternals before on, on TV. But still have a let's, let's, about let's put that one to the side for a second because I have a, a bigger rant than Eternals. Ooh. So I'm Impossible. sitting here and I'm watching, you know, I'm looking at something to watch. I couldn't sleep. So um, I, I decided to watch Fast and the Furious 32, whatever the last <laughs> number is of Fast and the Furious. Right. And I, it, it, was, it was so bad that when I saw it, I saw the number, I was like, have I seen it? What is it about? Like, I have no idea if I've mm. seen it. Like, I don't know what last time I, last one I saw, last one that, that was actually memorable. And it was it was Fast and Furious thing nine, I think is what it's called. Uh, and I watched it, and I was appalled of how bad it was. And I was, it wasn't just that it was bad. Fast Charlie. and Furious ten. Tw- wait a minute, no, 20, no. Fast and F nine. F nine, yeah, twenty twenty one. So that yeah. was the one. They're actually making a Fast and Furious ten. By the I'm way, sure they are. They're gonna do another. This is like this is like the new version of Friday thirteen, right? Mm-hmm. Where they'll go into double digits and then restart. Charlie, I, I, it was so bad that I was embarrassed for anyone involved in that project. Like mm. it was, it was. I haven't seen a movie that is this terrible that people, as a, either an actor, producer, just wouldn't you, know, want, you wouldn't want to like have your you name associated have with it. in any way whatsoever. Keep the title card. There is a scene where they got a uh, Pontiac Fiero. Mm-hmm. Remember those cars, oh, yeah, those they, tiny cars? For sure, they used to turn it they, they into used to a, explode. Constantly. Turned it into a spaceship, 
and then Ludacris and uh, uh, the other guy that we used to be singing, uh, Tyrese, mm-hmm. uh, are, dri- are literally driving it in space to get to a satellite. No, stop. Charlie. Dude, stop. Charlie. Stop. That's impossible. That, that's what these guys did. That wasn't like that was, and it wasn't a joke. That it wasn't was like part a drug-induced scene. It was Somebody's part of the movie. It was a Pontiac Fiero that got redone, right? That was hacked into becoming a spaceship, and they shot it up to go into a satellite, uh, and then kind of just coasted it all the way to like the the the, the charging station, the whatever it's called, yeah, right? The, the, the space station, space station, so that they yeah. could be brought back later. Was on. there a Russia subplot in, anywhere in there? Like, were the Russians the bad guys? No, no, it wasn't. Okay. There's no no Russian involvement in this case. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It was so bad, Charlie, that the new character because they always they had a new one, right? Every every single the new one was uh, John Cena, right? He was bad, and at some point he turned good. And between him being bad and turning good, I must have fallen asleep. I didn't even care to rewind to see why he At turned good. At what point he turned because good? Because it was so bad that there was no reason to rewind it to see why he had turned good. It is. I think it has to be the worst movie I've ever seen. All right, so let me let me let me pull up what the box office was on this seven hundred and twenty-six million dollars. Yeah, to fast see a nine. Pontiac Fiero in space. In space, what was what was the was the, Ludacris wearing like an astronaut helmet? I saw one. They, they they had like some <laughs> some like made up. It's all kind of hacked, but it was so so bad, Charlie. I can't even explain to you how bad it was. Awful. I, I, then I must see it. I have should, to see you it. should see it. And I've got it's, some airplane time coming up. So yeah, maybe I'll, I, I maybe think I'll it's, it's it. the worst movie I've seen. I'll fast forward to the scene where John Cena turns good so I can tell you what happened. I, I, yeah, it was so irrelevant that I couldn't even rewind to the, the part that I may have missed. All right, last one, really quick, lightning round. So CNN Plus. We've, everybody's talked this one to death. But yeah. uh, courage or cringe on them shutting it down? I, I think is. um. I've seen kind of mixed reviews about it, right? Part of it is that their financial expectation was really out of whack. In all of these, my thought is always, is it a case where you're not getting enough users or is it a case that you're over-investing in the content for the kind of user growth that you really should be looking for? Probably B. And but, I, but, I, I even, but even I if it's B, B, they still didn't have a lot of usage, period. They had 10,000 streams on, on each yeah, one of these Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's hard. I, I'm not in the camp of a, of of advocating for yet another independent streaming platform. I think it's a really, really hard proposition right now. There is so much content out there. I think you have to have such a strong machine of, of both library content it's like and a super also aggregation move. new content. And then the other thing too, in the case of, of news, so much original news happens on a daily basis that a lot of your library content is really not that useful. It isn't right? right because it already happened. So it's it's, it's so available. I think it's tough, and it's, there's so much of it right so now. So many of these different clips. I I, it, I just think it's a tough proposition to start off with to have a product like CNN Plus. You don't think that it smacked a little bit of hubris and kind of arrogance to like think that people are going to pay you to kind of go over there and watch kind of similar yeah, stuff? Yeah, right. But I think everyone is in that boat right now. A lot of are in that boat. How many people that we know personally have launched AVOD slash SVOD products? Everyone thinks they're going to make it. True. Everyone thinks that they that the people are willing to pay the same amount or a half of the amount that Netflix. I'm so convinced. Without, I'm convinced without that a, a tenth, without a hundredth of an of Netflix investment. I'm so convinced that like eighty percent of the effort put into all of these things is just trying to rationalize the investment deck that you built to get yes. the money to do it. I I think there's a lot of that. I mean, honestly, and and give you something sexy to talk about. Give yeah. you uh, a a peek into growth sectors. There's all kinds. Of, that's why you know. Yeah, is it is there. Yeah, is, is it arrogant of them? Sure, it's a bunch of people that are arrogant right now in media, for sure. They're yeah. trying to do the same thing. Join the crowd. So join you the crowd. You didn't say a courage or cringe on them shutting it down. 
I guess it's courage based yeah. on what on what it was how it was tracking. I'm, I mean, it's not like the right thing to do. I am too because of just the business value of it was fairly limited given what their new reality is in this new merged Discovery Warner Media. I think dynamic. there's an SVOD play there on that. Oh no, an AVOD play an there. AVOD that, play. that is that is there, but they're probably we're investing way too much on it to begin with. Okay, what else did we miss? That was it, right? Twitter, yeah, Netflix, CNN yeah. Plus. Mm-hmm. We got some fun ones, though, today. Uh, very interesting ones, and all of them happening semi in real time. I can't believe you didn't hear about the first one, though. That was crazy. Yeah, it's been a rough week. I was, so, I was pretty busy. I, yeah, I just, I just missed it. I haven't been as plugged in on uh, what's happening. So the first one, we're going to flip things up a little bit. I'm going to lead us off, and then you're going to go first. So you're going to flip the script here today. But um, the first one, which is the one you hadn't come in contact with, was the fact that the Department of Homeland Security set up a board— to tackle disinformation. The, one of the quick ironies we discovered right before we actually went, went to the show to record it is that even though the board is called the disinformation board, it, it, the, the headline is, is to tackle misinformation. So there's right. already like a variety of headlines. Is it a misinformation board or a disinformation board? But it is technically a, a board dedicated to misinformation called the disinformation board. Right. That this. Uh, yes. And if can I can I just, just yeah, do the, the audience uh, reaction, which is can we explain what the difference is between, between disinformation and misinformation? Yeah, it's a good point. What's the layman's um, version of that? I think. Well, I yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I think part of it maybe has something to do with intentionality or maybe who the actors are behind it. I don't know. Like or maybe sure. want to give you the Wikipedia version. Yeah. Give it to me. Disinformation is a subset of misinformation. So wait, disinformation is sub of it's a subset of misinformation. Okay. That which is deliberately deceptive, right? So yeah, to disinform is to actually have intentionality and in giving you other information that is wrong rather than just giving you wrong information. Mm. So try to like give you a ruse to try to pull you into a different direction where I'm giving you information rather than you just misunderstanding or, or giving something that is not clear. So Alejandro Mayorkas, who is the Secretary of Homeland Security, you know, released this or, or mentioned this in another kind of congressional hearing almost in passing. And then, of course, you know, people latched onto it on other side. Well, yeah. mostly on one side of the political aisle. <laughs> For sure. And, in, in, and uh, you know, we were talking about this, too. The fact that I heard a lot about this because I'm getting served up a lot of this stuff. And you were like, what are you talking about? What, what happened? <laughs> like total. This even exist. Total. <laughs> bubble, right? So obviously uh, a number of detractors have already come out. One of them, Senator Bill Haggerty, Republican of Texas, outlined a legal critique of this. He said, the establishment of this board will significantly impact Americans' free speech rights and cuts across numerous areas of government and society. It will change the relationship between the government and the governed to whom it answers. It will also substantially increase administrative costs for a number of different federal agencies engaged in this effort, which will be imposed uh, in terms of increased costs on the American taxpayer. So a lot of concern about what it does. The other point of contention was who's leading it. Oh, this yeah. Woman, I think that's that sounds to be like the main issue people have. Or maybe both, I guess. And and her name is... Nina Jankowitz. Nina Jankowitz. Who, Wicks, who, I guess. Yeah. yeah, who leads it, who is, you know, kind of a DC sort of think tank wonk and, you know, person who's obviously learned in both disinformation and misinformation. She seems to have the credentials, but she also seems to have an interesting social media past with a <laughs> yeah. lot of things where she's come out, you know, claiming certain things that are 
or disinformation that ended up not being. And she also is, you know, what's, she's, what's the one that denied uh, the Hunter Biden? Uh, she denied the Hunter Biden thing. Laptop, call, right? Called it, she called that one Russian disinformation, and it right. turns out that that's looking probably more real. And also the whole COVID lab theory leak and all that stuff. So, anyway, the point is, there's a lot of anxiety about her. She's a young woman. She's 33, four, something like that. Um, and uh, and she's you know very active on social. And she even did this skit with like Mary Poppins and doing a little <laughs> a, a little rhyming song about the, the importance uh, of disinformation. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of agita around the uh, the establishment of this disinformation board. Now the administration claims that it's actually not about that. They say settle down, slow your roll. This is really about you know looking at foreign actors, not American citizens. And really curbing their ability to influence outcomes of a variety of different and, things. And, and that's the part that I, I wasn't quite following. Like, how do we go from one, like, immediately jump to the other? Is it mostly because of who the person is that are leading it? Because at least in terms of scope, how they were talking about it, um, it did seem very foreign invested. Um, I think it was around, like, Russia hacking. The part that was really interesting and in kind of looking into the story when they talked about um, that some of this misinformation they think or they believe is what's used many times to market to um, people from other countries to get them to come. You know, they were talking, I think, with like the the, the Haitian kind of um, a group that that came a couple of years ago, right? They were kind mm-hmm. of crediting it to getting this a lot of this misinformation online uh, and then trying to attack that, right? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And look, I don't know all the intricacies, and I always wonder with these things if you know they release it kind of with an idea in mind, track the 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 backlash, and then go, no, here's, here's what we really meant, and they're kind of like actually engineering it at that moment to be what they're saying now. So I have no. Also, idea. the timing of it is super interesting, right? Because the, the timing of it is like that's Elon. the other. That's <laughs> that's the third point. Is it's a day, twenty four hours after Elon Musk uh, buys Twitter, the launch of this disinformation right. board. Now, the White House also claimed that this existed under Trump, or that he was was part of it. Right. But it wasn't called that, and it didn't make an issue. If that existed, then why make an issue of relaunching it or launching it? You know what I mean? So there's a little fishiness even in, right. in that claim. I'm sure something exists. But could you see a, a world where it wasn't the Trump and everyone was like, oh, that sounds great. Uh, people support Trump. And then now it's like, oh, Biden, Biden wants to do it. Like, oh, now this thing I sucks. Can, I can totally see that. I can also see the scenario of how people would feel if it was Trump launching the disinformation board. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> even if he said the same thing. It's for Russia. It's for China. Don't worry yeah, about yeah, it. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 right. So the issue here to me seems to be whether or not the government is ever a good arbiter of what is or isn't the right kind of information. Some of this you know, goes into some pretty well-tread areas, which is we, we do this kind of stuff all the time with espionage and counterintelligence mm-hmm. things and people trying to infiltrate elections. That's been going on for a long time, and we kind of point those things out and make sure people know that they're being played, and like mm-hmm. that always happens. The question here is the degree to which this impacts the social platforms and then has some kind of collateral effect on people's ability to express themselves in normal circumstances, mm-hmm. right? Which is the, the 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 claim, I guess, or the concern that the Republican side right, of the house right, making. Right, right. What what say you? Uh, so I'll start with kind of where I landed, even though I, I'm I'm honestly not <clears> sure. <throat> so I think in general. Um, let me let me read, make sure I read that. So the Homeland Security setting up the board to tackle this information. Okay. So in general, I will be courage uh-huh. on Homeland Security and setting up a board to tackle this information. Right? So just just taking sticking to the the direct headline. And the reason why I'm courage uh, is that I think we're in an era where the battles are primarily happening around information and data. The day to day battles happen between governments, etc., around information and data, mm-hmm. much much more than actual physical battles people, bombs, et cetera, right? Uh, weapons. 
And to that point, there is if that's where the central battle is taking place between government, between agencies, um, then you do need to have concerted efforts to actually look at this monitor to see when are the cases where you're being influenced. There was obviously a case that 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 we've seen in the past where there's been hacking, where there has been inf- misinformation campaigns to try to influence outcomes of presidential elections, of a lot of different things, not just that, but a, a lot of different things. And you even see it now with what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, right, where you have a Russian government that's to its own people trying to make a sign, no, 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 it's all good, we're, you know, they're so happy for us to be there. And and then in Ukraine, we see that in the floor, you know, people are like, even those soldiers themselves are like, I didn't know this is what we we're doing. So to that point, then you need to do have to have some efforts around it. Now, could you still make a case that you have to be careful how you set this up, how you put good measurements around it? The part that I could definitely don't love is if this is something that that is not unilaterally, that, that is not regulated or governed by yeah. Congress, yeah. that's a problem, right? Because you do need to have checks and balances because whether it's Trump or whether it's Biden or whoever the next person may be, Having the ability to have checks and balances, especially as sensitive as that, I think I think is really really important. What I go back to is the Freedom of Information Act that was that was that was done with after the nine eleven attack, right? Mm. And how long it's taken to try to unwind any of these, and even for how long that impact was after they said they had stopped doing it, right? That was the whole thing with Snowden, saying that you know the, basically the government was was spying on American citizens That's every right. single day. Yep. And but that was all done legally through a Freedom of Information Act that just kept on going. So it always worries me when I see this kind of efforts without having the governance on multiple, basically, branches of the government. So while I agree with the, with having, having a, a group that is focused specific on this information, I don't like the way that they're doing it. And if it doesn't have the kind of checks and balances from Congress, I think that's a problem. Then you'd be against it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, equally – it's a nuanced one. I start with cringe, but maybe cringe for different reasons. Number one, I think it is an absolutely – just dunderheaded move to call this what they did and not expect the kind of immediate kind of backlash that they Especially got. Especially the timing and all of it, right? The timing, the name, the leader, knowing what the leader has been on record saying, her social leader, yeah, media yeah. presence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so much of this thing was executed so poorly. Do I actually believe that this working group and some bureaucracy that's got their hands full with a thousand different things is really going to impact free speech in the country? Probably not. I probably don't really believe that. Mm-hmm. But because of how it's done and the questions that remain about what it actually will do, because nobody's able to actually give an answer, not even Mallorca's. He doesn't even explain what exactly this board will do. He talks about best practices and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But it just sounds at best like another just bureaucratic mess, which no payer, tax, taxpayer wants to fund. Right, right, right. And that's at best it's that. At worst, it's something sinister. And so if those are my options right now without having to spend six months understanding what it is that you're doing or work there, then it's got to be a cringe for me. But do I believe that it's this kind of like Orwellian plot? It's an Orwellian name, but is it an Orwellian plot against the citizens of the country driven by like an elite few people? No, I don't believe that. What I found interesting, Charlie, is the senator from the Republican from Tennessee where he talked about uh, how he's challenging this is – Senator Haggerty. Senator Haggerty, correct, uh, saying that the executive branch can't spend money unless Congress authorizes this, right? And mm-hmm. it's therefore subject to the Congress Congressional Re- Re- Review Act. When I hear something like that, I, I always think about – It's a technicality. A, it's a technicality. And B, is that, is that actually true? Is that real practically true? 
Because this it sure seems like a lot of time through executive, you know, action. We're spending a lot, bunch of money on one thing or another. That's true. How is that? Like, really? Is that really the case? I'm like, sure. I don't know. I'm sure there's, there's a lot of wiggle room. I'm and I think especially when we start yeah. talking about terrorism. Yeah. Anything that is, that is um, like an know. immediate threat. Yeah, and if it's framed that way, I think all of a sudden there's a bunch of freedom that people have uh, to be able to spend money, resources, et cetera, to do some of these things. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm positive we're going to be hearing more about this thing, and when it all comes out in the wash, it'll be a lot less interesting than it sounds right now. I'm but sure. it's got people in a furor, a flurry of activity. All right, Courage or Cringe item number two. Indiana's attorney general sues Black Lives Matter over use of its donation. So Indiana attorney general Todd Rokita Filed a lawsuit against the activist group Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. Apparently, there's like a number of the of BLM organizations. I didn't know this. There's like a number yeah. of legal entities yeah. called or related to BLM. So this one is specifically this is decentralized, right? They're like the the crypto of, of organizations. It is. It's, it's crypto <laughs> crypto activism. But uh, uh-huh. but the suit basically uh, he claims he says I filed the lawsuit against BLM organization to protect Hoosiers. That's people from Indiana uh-huh. from this house of cards. BLM has concerning patterns of behavior and we will do what it takes to get to the bottom of it on behalf of the generous Indianans who have donated to them. Now, a lot of this was kind of kicked off, at least some people claim, by a New York Magazine article that talked about the fact that BLM had secretly, and they you know, right. said secretly, Secret bought, air quotes. Uh-huh. bought a $6 million uh, mansion, which the group's leaders say is actually a campus, right? And this kind of thing, like if we just step out of the, po- the politics for a second, the idea of buying a piece of real estate, like my nonprofit just bought a piece of real estate and it was a seven-figure investment. That kind of stuff happens all the time, all the time yeah, right? Yeah, Where you yeah. buy something, and yeah, is it maybe, is it like, does it execute on the vision you laid out or talk to your board about? I don't know, probably not in a lot of cases, but that in and of itself is not necessarily unusual. But what people are latching on to is- I would say even the amount is not necessarily unusual in this not case. Not in California. Yeah, not in California. Not in California. Depending California. The, size of the, the size of the property and everything, it may not be- But what's got people's nose out of joint is a couple things. Number one is the fact that the former executive director of BLM, Patricia Cullors, actually stayed there like a number of nights. I don't know how many, but like stayed there overnight. You said at least like one. She said I think it was like one night or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, the fact that they were there and they were kind of like doing social media posts and having champagne parties and all this stuff. I think that's one part of it that got, you know, folks noise out of nose out of joint. And then the other part of it is California and a number of states have also, you know, been asking repeatedly for visibility and transparency to the donations that were made in 2020 and beyond and haven't been and BLM by all accounts certainly based on what I read has not been as forthcoming as they should have had based on the requirements of nonprofits this 990 whatever it's called the, the rules that govern mm-hmm. the nonprofit world you have to dis- disclose what you use the money for and there's a bunch of filings that you have to do and they've been like way late on their filings and that's also been driving a lot of this. So the fact that people can't see what's going right. on. Lack of visibility. Lack yeah. of visibility plus like, oh, we have pictures of you on Instagram having a champagne party there. And I know you stayed the night. Like all that stuff. Those are the things that have got people kind of perked yeah. up, you know, I, I think. Um, and, and they probably could have been solved far easier than what is actually happening now. Now, to, for her point, uh, Patricia Cullors, who, you know, who's no longer associated with BLM, has talked about the fact that, you know, ever since 2020 and they started getting money, people, you know, the gauntlet got thrown and the machine started turning against them and mm-hmm. people started coming after them, to which I can imagine that that's yeah, uh, in, sure. some part, for in sure. some part, you know, true. But bottom line is they're, they're being sued by this uh, state attorney. There's a number uh, – I'm sorry, uh, attorney general – there's a number of attorney general actions in the country, a number of states that are taking a look at this, but it seems to be kind of focused in the areas that I've described. So 
Bottom line is courage or cringe? You know, is this a uh, just a misunderstanding or is this a kind of misprosecutorial action? What do you say, Jesus? Uh, I, I think this may be a lot to do with nothing type of situation where I, I think the attorney general suing uh, the Black Lives Matter group. Ultimately, I don't see that leading into anything. Um also, there is a, definitely a political lens to a lot of these roles, including especially attorney generals, that if they feel like this is the kind of cause that right now is – the problem that I see with BLM group is they've made it easier for people to pick on them. Yeah. It's, I, I could see – you know, we always say that the, both things could be true. Both that people are going after them and trying to find whatever they can to like throw them under the bus, digging dirt. That could be the case. And that they haven't helped their own cause by not filing their taxes – by even if it even if it's not by you know with intent but making it showing this kind of a little bit of this lifestyle that is yeah, there yeah some of the perks of running this massive organization optics i also think this is a lot of this is a result of trying to run an organization that is leaderless which blm is right it's always like this sort of they said no one's no real leader it's kind decentralized. of this, this decentralized i think it's really really hard to do because the buck doesn't fully stop with anyone and while everything is good, while everyone is on board and the same page, it's great. It's a kumbaya. It's a thing. But the moment something that gets tough, harder, when you don't have that central leader that can both make the decision, take the heat, and actually like like rein in the operation, I just think it's really hard to do. Yeah. So the, to me, this is a byproduct of of of, the, of running the kind of organization that they run. And also behavior that they've done that has added to them being even a bigger target that they already were. Yeah. But to all of this, do I think that the attorney general really – I mean for the – and I know $6 million is a lot of money. But in the in the grand scheme of things of how much money they've raised and when you think about the investment of a, of a property. Because the thing is if you're, when you're receiving this big, just on rent alone, you could be spending hundred grand a month, right, on rent alone. Yeah, it might you, be more financially beneficial to actually for buy. For sure. You could be spending a million plus easily on rent. On every given year, to buy a six million dollar property that is not part of the of, of the organization, it's going to appreciate. That's going to appreciate. It may be a significantly smarter thing to do, regardless. So I don't get too caught up on the, on the dollar amount. Man, I saw this story See from so saying? many like, different angles too. Because I, 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 on one side, I'm thinking I thought to about myself, you. The moment that I saw it, I'm like, yeah, well, that's I, interesting. I'm also thinking to myself, how many, you know, uh, of you know, I always use the example of the French bulldog in the sweater in the carriage, right? But how many of that? How much of that crowd? You know, the white sold sneaker crowd has foundations and organizations and all this stuff that buys all these properties, does these like incredible fundraiser events and galas and people wearing sure. tuxedos and going on yachts and whatever, and nobody bats an eyelash, right? Nobody says peep For about sure. that stuff. And these people, again, I don't know the visibility and the transparency. If there is something fishy on there, like that's not good. That's bad, right? And they should know better because they're a nonprofit, but they don't, or they didn't at least. But if you put that aside and you just say, like, what is the actual thing that got people all worked up is the fact that they made this particular purchase. And to me, I compare that to some of the other things that I know happen in that world. And it's like, are you kidding me? I haven't heard a thing about, I, I don't know, whatever, the, the Rand Corporation's, you know, annual gala event at, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Beverly Hills Hotel with like $5,000 a dinner, you know, plate and people out there. Oh, yeah. That is a lifestyle. That really is For a lifestyle. sure. You don't think the people that run it benefit from that lifestyle? For sure. And I also see in the AG's action, and to be clear, the AG is not suing them because of the house purchase. The AG is suing them specifically on behalf of the transparency issues because he represents the will of the people from Indiana. Right. So he's saying, my people 
people gave you money. You're not telling me what that money did. I'm suing you, right? right? right. So just to be mm-hmm. clear. The, but the AG's actions and the way that he talks about it are so tinged with this kind of lens of it's a house of cards, it's this, it's a scam, oh, it's yeah. whatever. It feels very political. It feels it? it feels very political, mm-hmm. right? On the merits, he may have a case. That's yeah, the thing, right? Yeah. So I definitely toggled back and forth between this. On this one, and I may surprise you, I think I'm a cringe on this one. Mm, okay. And and it's because of that. It's not fair play. It's like, man, I, I want to go through the list of Indiana nonprofits or people that have given money to nonprofits, and I want that same level of scrutiny to all those people. Sure. I've been at some of those parties. I've been on some of those boats. Let me tell you something. I was like, is, that, uh, is it all for mission? No, no, it's not. No, right? let's and, be honest. And so it just feels, um, it feels weighted. It feels biased. It really, mm. really does. Yeah, and so yeah, for yeah. for for that, I'm a cringe. I'm not at all saying that these people have their act together because I don't think they do at yeah, all. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're helping their own cause. And that's, I think, reflected here. But I, I'm, in, I'm in the same boat with you. All right, beautiful. Last item. Trump makes his first post ever on Truth Social months after it actually launched. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Because you would have thought, well, uh, I, I know I didn't see you tweeting because you got banned from Twitter. But he did not post on his own platform for months after it actually launched. So he finally did post last week. Mm-hmm. And his quote was actually very funny. It just said, I'm back. Hashtag Kofefe. Remember the Kofefe hashtag? No, what is that? Hey, I, I, Co- I don't know what that was. Kofefe, he's, he misspelled something in a tweet, and people just ripped him when oh, he did it. And okay, so yeah, now, he's, now he's trolling he's the rippers, right? That's actually funny. All and right, so okay, he, that's he says, funny. I'm back, Kofefe, and, he fe- and it featured a picture of him using his phone in front of Mar-a-Lago, which is his Palm Beach resort in Florida. Right. Now, it's not clear what actually prompted Trump's return to social. Maybe it was the fact that um, the prospect of his access to Twitter returning under Elon Musk could have driven his uh, desire to get more socially active. Who knows? Although, interestingly, he's denied that that's the case. He says, I'm not going to go back to Twitter. I'm going to stay on truth. I hope Elon buys Twitter because he'll make this before he bought it. I hope Elon buys Twitter because he'll make improvements and he's a good man, but I'm going to be staying on truth. So how much much do you believe that? That he won't go back to Twitter. Oh, I, I don't believe it at all. Uh, at all. I, well, I mean, unless he happens to know that he's not going to get let back on, in which case it's brilliant that he would say, I'm not going back on preemptively, if he knows he's not getting back on. Yeah, but you think with Elon, he wouldn't let him. His whole thing is about free speech. Well, it depends on whether or not the, the banning was justified. If he did, Because remember, Elon has said that he, he's free speech within the bounds of the law. So if, if, he's, if he's shown that he did break the law in yeah. what he said, then he I wouldn't just think be able if, to. If Elon does not publicly support bringing uh, Trump back in, I think he loses all credibility on being about the truth. Even if, he, even if it was right based on the standards that Twitter had at the time. He could always say, hey, we reviewed the standards, and based on these new standards that we think he should be allowed back on. Even that's without just, but I think if he doesn't do that, yeah, I just think all credibility is gone in terms of the, all those folks that are right now in his camp of being the we're here for freedom of speech. Right. I'm just saying for to to be consistent based on what he said. If it turns out that Trump does get found guilty or whatever for any kind of the, these conspiracies mm-hmm. or election issues, right? Then he would be okay to say that he's removed them because that person's uh, speech was against the law. And there are some things in speech that are against the law. So. He could find a way out, but um, but no, I don't necessarily believe him. I think it's it's based on what he knows right now. That's what he wants to say. Now, the last point I'll make before we get to the courage or cringe is that um, at least last week the Truth app was a number one app on the on the. It's um, the one right now. 
I just, I just, okay. I just searched it right now. Yeah. So it's number one right now. Um, number one app in the uh, the uh, uh, Apple Store and presumably other other places where you download apps. Um, so on at least that metric, it seems to be doing good. Yeah. Right now, it's an Apple only offering. Though. Apple only. Yeah. Offering. So it's, it's, they haven't yeah. launched an Android. Now, what what do you make of that rate? Is that rating is that meaningful in terms of? For I mean, sure. It's be, yeah, right? yeah. It's very meaningful. I mean, it's meaningful in terms of getting. Downloads. That's what that really, that really talks about. It doesn't right? speak to engagement or usage. Doesn't speak to engagement. Doesn't speak to like a level of attrition that people have. It, it's really about how popular it is right now in the Apple Store. Got it. So as people are going to it and they're like want to download it. I think there is a big group that is like, oh, finally Trump showed up. It is weird that it would take them that long. I mean, two weeks ago to... we were talking about how Truth was a total bomb and a failure. Yeah, it was. So it was. Yeah. So how did it get to number one so far? But I think that's part of it. Is him. Yeah. I mean, it's a combination of. Feeling, I think. I think what happened here. Here's here's my if I want to go, <laughs> a conspiracy theorist, which is when they started when all the words started coming out that Elon was going to buy Twitter. I think the only value that a True Social has that it can claim is that it was going to be not, not Twitter, not Twitter because it doesn't have the censorship. So this is the uncensored truth that can come out, right? But if Elon buys Twitter, then he takes that position immediately. Now, why would you go to the shitty version of it? It's like, it's like why go to like the shitty theme That's park? Totally true. When you can go to the premium one, when the premium one solves the one thing, is like going to Disneyland without the lines. Why would I go somewhere else? The, that only is like case you can, the only case you can make is that every Coke needs a Pepsi. That's the only case you can make. Beyond that, for, not much. For sure. Not but, much. Correct, right? But I think from a functionality and everything, is is brand new. A lot of it had a lot of early issues. So if you take away its one kind of position that was like the counter to to uh, to Twitter, I think it takes away any reason for it to to be at this point, mm. right? Um, and I'm guessing that the board, if I was the CEO, uh, what's the name of the guy? The guy that ended Devin up, Nunes. Devin Nunes. I'll be calling Trump like, listen, you got to get on right now. You got to make a really strong case. You're going to be on this platform. Even if you change my – like, first of all, that's your thing. No one gives a shit. No one's going to be like, oh, well, you say you were – no one fucking cares. You know? It's, it's just like, baked into the cake. It's, people expect that. So don't worry about that part. Like, Just get But posting. I need you to, to like give people a reason to come right now. Yeah. Right? And and own that that position of this is where – not just – remember, my POV on this one is, is not about truth. It's about a conservative – truth air quotes right and by him getting back on there and being active i think it refocuses the attention that it could could still be that even if it doesn't live up to all of the functionality and community and everything else that twitter actually is all right so courage or cringe trump posting on truth social for the first time i'm courage on trump posting i think he should be this is his baby let's has his his freaking name on it like dude support the thing that you're doing you should have done doing this two months ago right exactly if anything because you hadn't done it you're giving a great indicator to everybody else that your own platform sucks like if you can't even like use your own product that is about truth, then what are you telling me about your product? Your product sucks. Right. So I think it's courage for him to do it, but I think it only I think that will wear out very quickly if he doesn't become active on the platform. Sure. He's gotta actually drive that marketplace. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you too. I think it's courage. You know, go ahead, get get yours, it's your thing. Should have done it a while ago, but it's I guess better late than never. Ultimately I do think it's a major, major problem. If Elon does what he's saying he's going to do with Twitter mm-hmm. for the future of truth, because the whole reason it was to exist is because Twitter wasn't what Twitter is, you know, that's, that's what that's what I'm presuming saying. Yeah. to yeah. now be. So uh, interesting. I think is uh, problematic uh, for him to say the least. That's uh, a, yeah, P, a problematic with a capital P. Problematic with a capital P. I, I do. I was kind of kind of laughing because I was seeing like, what are some of the other apps that are like super popular? <laughs> what does that say about what people are actually into? You know, what what, what are they? Well, one of them, um, from a gaming per- perspective, um, 
uh, Wardle. I, mean, I heard that one a lot. So that one is very popular. It's number six. Uh, Life Pick Widget. No idea what this thing mm, does. No clue. This is uh, social networking, I'm sure, to edit party pictures is what I'm guessing. Uh, Twitter is number three. So it's on its heels. Mm. Uh, TikTok, number four. And then Google Maps, number five. Utility, baby. It still, it still matters. Utility still matters. The phone is a tool. Yeah. So, so just to give you the top ten. Number seven, CapCut, video editor. All right. And number eight, Be Real, your friends for real. Oh, yeah. That's the one that's what like- What is that? That Be Real is taken off uh, big time with Gen Z. And it's basically, the way that I understand it is that you take a random picture and you just, you show your friends what you're doing at that exact moment. That's basically it. But it only has that single use. It's like- you know, you take a picture of yourself walking into the store and like people people get that update and like, oh, he's at the store right now doing something. Oh, that's, interesting. So it's like it. the anti-Instagram. Yeah, you don't have to scroll Isn't to find so the story. It's not so much like a strategy, just, right? It's pushed from, you. from a product standpoint, it's like, how did, like, what are the things that you are? What are the things that you're not? You know what right? it is? It's push, not pull. That's basically what it is, right? So Got with it. all these other things, you have to pull the information. You have to scroll. You have to find what your friends are up to. This one just says, hey, this is where you know, Jesus is right now and isn't that that's cool? That's funny, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a location-based service or something, but yeah. it's, it pushes out to your phone. So anyway, that one we'll so. talk about at some future point. All right, my friend. Well, great to have you here. Lightning round all the way around. Got through a lot of stuff. Anything uh, else? Uh, no. I will. I will. Uh, yeah, I'll come back with some other You'll... recommendations on movies. Oh yeah. Do no. not watch F nine. But now it's I, so bad. Yeah, but now it's... I have to watch it. See, that's the thing you did. Now I have to see that fear. The Pontiac of going Fiero into going into space. That's like when you, when you see something like that. It's like you gotta be kidding me. Like this is of the like the most so dangerous ridiculous. cars in all of history. It was the the Suzuki Samurai because he used to flip over all the time. The Pontiac Fiero because it would literally catch on fire and explode like constantly. And then there was another one that I forget that was like really you know, awful. Was, oh, the Gremlin, like back in the 70s because it had no structural stability. The, this is like – like this, this franchise has become now a parody of itself. Yeah. And that's amazing to me that it got to this point. It's yeah. literally a parody of itself. And Vin Diesel, I feel terrible for him. Like – I get that you make tons of money. This like I'm not questioning that. Like, good for you. Your kids, kids, kids are now probably well off and set because of all the work that you've done. Yeah, but you gotta live with. Congratulations, uh, but, dude, but, but you gotta live with yourself for the remainder of your life. You gotta that live, you made this movie. You gotta live with Ludacris with a space helmet. That's what it's you just live like oof. tough. All right, well we'll have another movie review then next time. All right, Jesus, great to have you back, my friend. We'll see everybody again next time on TDR. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.